Playoffs, baby! Welcome back to Ravens Recap. We're in! After weeks and weeks that we thought, you know, it wasn't in our hands anymore, but we think there was a chance, it happened. Everything's okay. It's, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, I texted you guys in the chat after the game ended that this is the craziest season in that the Ravens had an 11-win year which most years is, is completely incredible, right? But in some ways, it just feels a little more like a relief than a triumph because it was, yeah, man, they're, they're such a bottleneck at the AFC, and there were some games that we really wanted to see the Ravens win that they couldn't quite pull off, and there was the COVID scare. But in the end, the Ravens got hot at the right time. They're in the playoffs, and... You know, the things that went wrong during the regular season don't matter because it's a new season. Yeah, I tell you what, man, it was it was just an absolute relief, you know, going into this game. I mean, we all we all know what happened a few years ago in Cincinnati. I should say in Baltimore uh, from that Cincinnati game at the end of 2017 was a complete heartbreak. Uh, obviously, the broadcast crew did not forget that because they mentioned it a few times in the first half. But, uh, but yeah, fortunately, after the first half, it was very clear that uh, the Ravens were going to run away with this game. It's just a matter of what the final score was going to be. Just like you said, man, it, it's it's a relief. You know, it's, it, it's like it, it wasn't real until it was finally done, and it was like, oh, crap, well, we're actually in the playoffs. This is awesome. But, yeah, with 11 wins, too, it's just, you know, it's it's crazy. I mean, you know, fortunately, I guess we were ended up where we might have made it anyway because I guess Miami lost. I don't remember exactly how it worked out. Um, but even with that, it, it was a nail biter to the very end. And, uh, you know, what, what a great way for the team to rally after, after the COVID situation a, a couple of weeks ago, just to come out with a, a series, a, a series of completely dominant games. It's just a an awesome way to finish the season. I should have went my normal 38 points. Did you guys notice? <laughs> yeah, you should. You should have 38, seven would have been a good prediction. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of annoyed. I was like, ah. After all these weeks of saying that's a good score, I can see how that one works out a couple times. It's like, nope, picked the wrong week. <laughs> but hey, guys, I mean, there are so many like wonderful things about this game, and uh, I think we're all just kind of looking ahead in a way uh, to the playoffs. But I think it's worth reflecting on these highlights to say like how we can build on it against the Titans next week. First and foremost, the running game did something that we haven't seen since the 50s. 404 yards on the ground. I mean, if Lamar was in there for another drive, I have no doubt that the Ravens would have broken that single game record. Like, Yeah, if they uh, wanted it, right? Yeah, if yeah, they wanted if it. If they really wanted it. They may have not even known about it. I mean, they were just like, oh yeah, we need Lamar 1K, 3K for the game, for the season. Like, you know, I, I don't even know how many records they would have kept in the book. But uh, but yeah, I have no doubt that they would have gotten it if they would have left him in for another drive. Man, I, I think they would have gotten it even if, uh, Trace McSorley was healthy. I mean, we saw some some good things with him, at least knowing how to run the offense. Whether you know, in spite of you know maybe some skill and physical limitations that he has, uh, yeah, Huntley just looked lost when he was out there. But records are great, but obviously that's not the the final goal that the Ravens have in store for this year. So yeah, I mean, it's a fun game, but it's it's hard to not not look past that to to that matchup with the Titans coming up. We got Titans fans him on dock for you guys, but hey, let's. <laughs> we were talking about this. We're like, we we really want to do this Titans episode, but that's okay because I think it's good to be excited about. And if we can have even close to this good of an offensive performance, um, it almost doesn't even matter what the defense does in a way, right? 
uh, I think besides the one interception, the tip ball by Lamar, every drive that he was in, they scored. And most of the time they scored a touchdown, <laughs> right? Except for once. So uh, not bad for running back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was and the shirt know, I was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, what's funny is, you know, the, uh, unfortunately the Iron Man, Sam Cook, he had his uh, record-breaking streak for the Ravens snapped uh, due to, it was it was at <clears> least an inconclusive test. I forget if it came back positive or not, but I know originally it was inconclusive. So Sam Cook had to miss the game, but the Ravens could have actually played this game without a punter because they didn't need Johnny Townsend till that for the final three, two minutes of the game. Yeah. I think they should have just not used him for the lulls. I mean, I know they used him to hold uh, field goals, but I think they should just forget it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get that's a, I get that is a skill. Like it, you would think it's not, but you, you've heard punters talk like that's actually a skill, like catching that ball and getting it in place, spinning oh, it totally. right for the kicker. Yeah. It, but it still feels like, you know, like Willie Sneed or someone could have done that. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they couldn't have. But and <laughs> still, yeah, this is exactly it was almost exactly what we wanted to see from this offense going into it. I do have one nitpick for the offense, which we can get to later, because I think we got to talk about all the good stuff that happened first, because there was quite a bit of it. Yeah, man. I mean, you, you look at the running backs. I'm pretty sure almost every person who touched the ball maybe maybe Huntley might be the exception but almost everyone else but Huntley averaged over four or five yards a carry it it was insane I, I think Gus Edwards was probably one of the lower ones and he was at like five yards a carry but you look at Lamar Jackson he was over like nine you look at Dobbins I think he and I mean with that run at the end the 72 yard touchdown run I think he you know over 15 yards a carry or something ridiculous um it was just a complete complete utter dominance uh by the Ravens offense and the running game so it's it's probably like one of the closest things there is to like a complete team effort it wasn't like it was a single guy uh it was everybody was performing the offensive line the tight ends the running backs uh Lamar Jackson like everybody was performing at just an extremely high level one thing I wanted to point out I don't know if you guys noticed but on that 20 yard run by Lamar which 20 yard run you might ask well it was the one (laughs) that uh (laughs) Dobbins was uh, in the sidecar. Ricard was also on the side. And then you had Edwards behind. And he kind of like faked it twice. He faked to Dobbins. He faked to Edwards. Edwards was able to go ahead and lay a block that sprung him. Right? And I was like, oh, man, Edwards as a lead blocker. Who knew? And I, I thought like it was kind of cool to see. Um, you know, we talked about Edwards getting involved in the passing game. But, I mean, the guy's even a good run blocker, which I don't think he's had many opportunities to do besides when Lamar's scrambling. Yeah, I mean, Edwards, gosh, he's... I'd have to think about the list of all the great undrafted uh, guys the Ravens have signed, but I think he's certainly making a case for a top 10 uh, all-time with how he's played, not just this year, but the two previous years. Uh, You look at his stats, what he finished with, I don't have them right up in front of me, but you look him up, yardage-wise, yards per carry, it's... The same all three years. The guy's been remarkably consistent from that standpoint. And like you said, he's adding other elements to his game uh, with this receiving and his run blocking. And and just to look at how effective this Ravens rush offense has been this year. Gus Edwards finished as a, basically the number three rusher on this offense behind Jackson and Dobbins as the 21st in the league as far as uh, rushing yards. Dobbins was 18th, and I'm pretty sure... 
Lamar was was top ten. There weren't many thousand yard running backs this year. Your third best rusher on your team is twenty first best in the league. That's incredible for your offense. This guy makes no sense. Are you looking at this? Are we looking at the same thing? Okay. 718, 711, 723 yards. <laughs> it's season. virtually identical all three years. It's a I mean, definition we were, of consistency. We were shocked when he did it back to back years, but the third year in a row of just like remarkably constant. Yeah. And oh, you look oh, at the yeah. yards per carry, they're basically the same as well. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. I guess the big the big thing that he uh boosted was his um touchdowns. He had six touchdowns this year, which is way higher. Yeah, I mean, I think it was it was really obvious to me near the end of the game when, uh, you know, we, we were still even giving Dobbins a few carries. I mean, that that uh, seventy two yard touchdown run was probably one of the last carries that he got. Um, but after that, it was fully on Mark Ingram and Justice Hill. Edwards didn't even see the field. So um, if the coaching staff is is pulling him out that early, then I mean, that's kind of a sign for me of like, okay, this guy is going to be a, a a main piece of our offense going into the playoffs. I think it's funny when I was writing down some of the cool stats that were coming up during the game. I had to put up cliff note being like, this is going to probably be defunct by the end of the game, right? Like uh, when Dobbins set the record for most touchdowns in a single season by a rookie at eight, well, he got another one. So it was nine now. And uh, <laughs> the uh, Ravens also set a franchise record for rushing touchdowns on that play with 23. And I was like, well, now it's 24. <laughs> right. <laughs> and stuff like that. So, uh, that's the kind of game we were having. Um, I saw the last time that the Ravens ran this much in a, in a game was uh, when Jamal had 295 yards, which checks out. They had like 345 on the day. So just, just an absolutely historic day in all accounts. And uh, I mean, just to even go back, you know, Peter has at the top of the document, I think I saw him typing it out. First, or not first, probably first and last full season during COVID, right? We got through that. And then we got through a season where, if you told us at the beginning, the Ravens are going to go 11-5. They'd be like, playable. That works. It barely worked. <laughs> you know, It's just like, all of this is so remarkable and just uh, it's worth just appreciating. Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, we want the Ravens to, to win in the playoffs. It's been a bummer the past two years to see uh, teams that were talent across the board come up short and not even able to get one win in the postseason, uh, especially when those games were at home with a full crowd. Uh, but, you know, whatever happens in the playoffs, I think you got to look at this season as a success, uh, just with the un- unexpected adversity that the team had to, to come through. And, uh, like, I mean, we were all in a dark place Thanksgiving night after that t- loss to the Titans, and then we found out that Lamar Jackson was among multiple players who were not going to be suiting up for the Pittsburgh game, which who knew at that point we thought, well, is this game going to be forfeited? The Ravens <laughs> might not have a full roster, man. We were, gosh, you know, in our, in our uh, text chain for the fantasy league, the Washington football team fans, they were really, uh, they were really doubting that, that the Ravens had anything in them to make the playoffs. We were like, I know they were <laughs> about to go back, like leave the bandwagon and then go back to the football <laughs> team. That's how bad it was. <laughs> Man, yeah, but, you know, Alex said it best, you know, uh, right before that Tennessee game. I really thought the Ravens were going to beat the Titans. I really thought they were going to, and they had a chance. Maybe if they don't call a timeout, that double screen to Hollywood does get them that touchdown, and they pull that game out. But, you know, Alex said there was going to be dark times that the Ravens were just going to have to plow through, <laughs> but there would be End light game. at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> 
I'm not going to lie. I have that gif uh, saved away for every single uh, win across this path if we have them. If we're so fortunate, I feel like this is the only way. <laughs> we're in the end game now. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, you know, we'll, we'll get back to talking the Bengals now because we're, we're going back into getting ahead of ourselves talking about the playoffs. But, you know, uh, you know, sometimes a team needs adversity to rally around to to get them locked in and focused for the rest of the year. You know, the Ravens had it pretty easy second half of of their 14 and 2 season maybe they got a little too complacent i don't we won't know we're not in the locker room but i would think they're a lot more focused uh knowing what can happen if they slip this year than than last year well i can tell you what is different you know especially over the last couple of weeks are uh, definitely the play from some of our wide receiver group that was a good segue peter uh just finding a chance to to transition right back into the cincinnati game but uh but yeah outside of uh outside of an early drop by uh, marquise brown which i i think he should have caught that one but i gotta say if lamar maybe put that a little bit maybe like a few feet outside it probably would have been a little bit of an easier throw for uh, easier catch for him to make but outside of that i thought marquise brown had a pretty good day i mean he ended up with two touchdowns um had some really great catches later in the game kind of redeemed himself and uh you know, Miles Boykin, another guy stepped up. I mean, that touchdown grab on that post route uh, was a, a thing of beauty. It was great for him to get open. I don't know what you guys noticed on that play, but uh, it looked like almost three Bengals defenders had kind of locked in to Mark Andrews and uh, kind of allowed Boykin to be able to uh, to get up over, uh, open over the top. Those two guys in particular, man, I mean, I think they've really stepped up the last couple of weeks. I mean, you've seen it. They've, I, th- I think both of them have had touchdowns in what five four out of the last six five out of the last six games um Mm -hmm. been kind of really stepping up in terms of uh, contributing the offense so um you know if there's any guys who really kind of benefited i think from a late season play it's definitely got to be those guys miles boykin has caught touchdowns on three of his last five receptions during the last five games which is just like an interesting way to be productive i just like to point out i mean we talked about it before but lamar threw 18 times in this game so you think about how many targets he has. It's like, okay, everybody, you get like three opportunities if you're lucky, right? And then maybe some more if you're like the favorite child that game for whatever reason. Um, so you don't have that much time to shine. Um, and I think Hollywood said it well uh, in his post-game presser. He, like, he understands that he gets the ball only so many times. And if he doesn't deliver every single time, it looks really bad, right? Like he doesn't have an offense that gives him so much volume that you can see, like you'll forget about that one. It's like, well, you had three and two of them were good, but one of them sucked. So, <laughs> you know, we're going to, we're going to hit you for that, yeah. which is not to like excuse missing big plays. Obviously we want to see him uh, succeed. And I, I, clearly he wants to do that too. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it, it's definitely great that these guys are, are starting to turn it on now and, and developing and look, does Boykin need to be like the alpha wide receiver at, you know, even though he's big, uh, you know, six foot four or whatever and, and fast. No, I mean, obviously every team wants that, but if he keeps being a red zone threat like this with an offense, that's capable to find its way there. That's money, right? Like, that sounds good. Yeah. We all know how good of a career Steve Smith had without being an alpha. <laughs> oh, shut it. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I mean, you, you make a great point, though, with, with Boykin. We're not, the Ravens aren't asking Boykin to be a go-to guy. They're asking him to be a complimentary guy who's a, a red zone threat. And, you know, when the defense is keying in on Mark Andrews and Lamar and, and Hollywood, 
he's going to get some easy looks, which I mean, on that touchdown, I mean, he, he played it perfectly. Like he, it was an excellent catch, excellent route by him. Uh, it was also insanely soft coverage and pretty much any wide receiver in the league could make that. That's not to diminish what he did, but he's going to get those easy looks just because the defense feels like they need to put extra guys on this other skill. Play. I mean, gosh, you guys mentioned, you know, the, how the Bengals were, were covering Mark Andrews. There were, there were times yesterday I saw Mark Andrews covered by four Bengals defenders, I think, um, <laughs> definitely on that second touchdown to, to Hollywood in the red zone. So there's going to be looks for him, and the Ravens just need him to be able to convert those when he's wide open. And he's been doing that, and hopefully he can continue that in the postseason. Isn't it crazy when that happens? Like, Mark Andrews is a good player, you know, top five tight end in the league. But I don't, outside of like some people who have like really thick purple, like Ravens tinted glasses, right? He's not the number one tight end in the league. That doesn't mean that you can't have a lot of people defending him, but it's just the Ravens sometimes have struggled when they're facing an offense that may have like two or more star players. Like, you know, back in the day with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, it was like, okay, do you commit the guys for Bell or do you commit two guys on Brown? And like, there just weren't enough people to do that. Same thing with the Chiefs. We just don't have enough guys to like put two people on Kelsey and two people on Hill. It just doesn't work. But then you put four people on Andrews. I just don't understand the math. <laughs> like, how, how can you do that, but then not like have the same number of guys from other things? It's just, it's, it's crazy. I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how some defensive coordinators draw it up. <laughs> but, but, uh, but gosh, yeah, that's four guys on on a single player. That seems awfully crazy. Oh man. I think one of the biggest mysteries of this 2020 season is just how the Steelers managed to lose to this Bengals team. <laughs> I mean, is it that big of a mystery? I don't think they're good. Like, I can't remember. Were they the second or third or fourth in our division? They were all like pretty mediocre last year, right? So, like, I can't remember who it was. But they were second. Yeah, because they, they if were they, second. If they, if they had beaten the Ravens in the last week of the season and received some help, they would have gotten the sixth seed. Oh, I regularly remember that, right? Okay, so, okay, they were the second, but, like, okay, you play a bunch of number two teams, which is not, like, I'm trying not trying to knock you, but, like, you had one more win than the Ravens, okay, and, and you're acting like you're all high and mighty? You played the second-rate people, and one of them was definitely not the Chiefs, right? <laughs> Get out of here! Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> losses including the football team and the Bengals and, yeah, you know, I mean, the hey, Ravens football lost team, five games. Football team's a, a playoff team. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> did you guys, I did, I did not watch more than a couple minutes of that game, but did you see the Eagles uh, threw in, uh, what's his face, Nate Sudfeld or whatever? Yeah, it's it's been all over the internet, yeah, about the Eagles tanking and then pissing off the Giants because <laughs> the Giants would have won the division if the Eagles would have won the game, which it looked like they could have done at that how, point. How can but... Pedersen say with a straight face that he, he was playing to win? <laughs> Oh man, off topic. I think I think I think everybody and <laughs> everybody who's an NFL fan is is asking that same question. Peter <laughs> he doesn't have to, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, he can say whatever he wants, but it doesn't matter, right? We all know what happened. <laughs> it's not a mystery. <laughs> yeah. After having that whole conversation last week about teams don't tank, and then <laughs> it, it is a very unique situation, right? Though, because like I think they all got like the six or higher pick now, whereas like. If they win the division, they're 18th at best, right? <laughs> like, it's a miserable outcome. Um, so that I is pretty it. crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I had yeah I hadn't thought about it that way. Oh yeah, it's a huge, huge delta because that first 10 picks is like 
critical. Like, I mean, just look at the Jimmy scale, right? Is it Jimmy, JJ, whatever. The scale <laughs> that people use for picks, look at that guy. And, and you see, like, you really want one of those top picks. It's it's transformative. I mean, think about when we were last there. We got Ronnie Stanley. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, speaking of, of Ronnie Stanley, I mean, uh, the excellent day from the offensive line as well. Uh, I, I don't believe Lamar got sacked. And when when you have a historic day rushing the football, uh, generally that means that the guys up front overall had a pretty big day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're blocking great. Ben Powers continues to look good. I thought Colon Castillo played really well. Overall, the offensive line, it's just fantastic. They were able to figure it out here. And we're seeing even like Fluker, after he had some issues, has really turned it on, particularly in the run game. I mean, we we know he's not the best pass defender, but in the run game, man, he's been creating. It's just been great. Yeah, I, I, I noted early on in the game, uh, I think it was... um. I think it was 94. I think Sam Hubbard, I think, is the player. He's like the right defensive end, I think, for the Bengals. And uh, I, I noticed that he was he was trying his best, I think, in the first quarter. We had a couple of pass plays kind of dialed up there. And, and he was doing a really great job at trying to not over-pursue and let Lamar get out. He was actively kind of like, you know, checking to like see, okay, like, is he going to pull this way? Is he going to pull this way? And kind of like, kind of like follow him around and, and not kind of let him get outside. And I thought he he had a number of plays. There might have been a tackle for loss in there at, at some point, but there were a number of plays in there where I was like, okay, this this might be a little rough because he, he seems to kind of like know what's going on here. But as the game kept going on and and you know our O line kept wearing those guys down, I, I saw that less and less. And uh, you know, it's 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 great to see that you know they were able to adapt a little bit or or, or just you know I don't know straight up wear the guy down. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> what happened from from the initial watch but yeah it's just uh, credit to those guys man for for really just making it happen um they've just been absolute monsters i mean you know gosh i i hope lamar got them a really great christmas presents this year because with a, a 400 yard game on the ground like massive massive shout out to those guys if i were lamar jackson last year he got him a bunch of uh date justs from rolex i think you should try to get a very hard to get right now uh redesign some mariner Right, I think that really would just show the appreciation uh, <laughs> for the offensive line and continue to grow their watch collection. <laughs> <laughs> in all seriousness, I did want to point out uh, we said Mark Andrews you know, didn't get too much attention, but in the first drive he did, um, and I thought it was one of the coolest designs that the Ravens have had. They did a play action out of the uh, power counter, right? So they had a bunch of pulling. I think they had two pulling players. I think uh, uh, Clone Castillo and and. Uh, Bozeman were pulling and they play action and and Lamar just like quickly throws this dart to Mark Andrews and I, I think it was one of the first time I've seen a play action that was so incredibly um, convincing I guess from a blocking perspective that it was indeed like going to be a run play and then it wasn't yeah I remember seeing that play it was you know again like I think some people have, have been picking on Greg Roman a little bit and you know I think we did a little bit earlier on as well you know, uh, when things weren't clicking, especially in the past game. But um, the last six weeks or so, man, the run game has just been on point. I think there's been a lot more creativity. I mean, the Ravens aren't going to be the Chiefs offense. I don't think they're ever going to match that sort of skill on, on when we're talking about uh, pass play design. But there's some wrinkles in there, man, that have just been like, okay, this like it, it fits the offense that we have and it's it's creative and it's working. Definitely kudos for him. This offense is like clearly not trying to just get 
huge chunk plays. Like they much preferred to get a 13 play eight minute drive on you. Like that's really the kind of offense that they are trying to run. Whereas like the chiefs are clearly trying to just get a touchdown as quickly as possible. Like, I don't know if they know how to go slow in a way. I'm sure they've done it right. But the Ravens are much more like we actually are intentionally trying to be slow. We're trying to wear you down. We're trying to like play at this pace and not that they haven't had success playing a higher tempo, but if they can run for 13, not actually 13, but uh, or run all 13, but if they can have a 13 play drive, they'll take it. Like they're all about the long and uh, methodical drives. Yeah, no, agree. And I, I think that's going to be huge come the postseason. And, you know, the, the one criticism I have about the offense yesterday was while they did take almost seven minutes off the clock on that opening drive, which is excellent, you only got a field goal against Cincinnati. And I know that's being nitpicky, but it's just like we know that how the Ravens starting slow has really hurt them this year in some certain games. Uh, so I would have felt really good there to have seen them cap it off with a touchdown. But, you know, everything else went well that game. So I think it's a hopefully just a slight nitpick and not a sign of that this team is still having – uh, some issues getting a hot start out of the gate. Well, we did see what caused that, right? It was a couple things. Like Fluker, I believe, was the one who got called on a holding penalty that got them in a you know first and twenty situation. And then you also had uh, a really questionable third and ten option run that I just felt like wasn't the best play at that moment. You know, I kind of was yeah. disappointed in that play. Yeah. Uh, of all the play calls, you know, kind of go back to your Greg Roman point. We were talking about on the podcast, like on the air, that, oh, I have a friend, our, our San Francisco episode um, guest, say, hey, I want to talk about the Greg Roman offense with you because this is totally what we've seen. And it only gets worse, right? Well, it didn't. It got better. <laughs> you know, they, they figured it out. And actually, I mean, if he doesn't become a uh, coach somewhere else this offseason, I'd love to actually still have that conversation and talk about how okay, we did see a, re- a revitalization. Do we have confidence that he can do it yet again if if the need arises? Yeah, that would be a fantastic off-season episode. It depends on a lot of, of what happens this year with the with the Ravens coaching staff and with some of the players that they bring back and who they draft in. But yeah, it's. I think I'll, I speak for all of us to say, like I, I hope that it certainly does continue next year. I'll take a Super Bowl every single year. <laughs> oh, hey, I was about to say that. <laughs> Just go for a dynasty here. <laughs> oh man well as great as the offense was yesterday i mean the defense was just as good as well uh cincinnati tore apart the houston defense last week uh but that was the houston defense and i saw a stat after we talked with uh with Bengals collector uh that the texans applied the least amount of pressure of any team last week <laughs> or, the, or the week before week 17. Uh, so that was kind of how Brandon Allen had that huge game. I mean, if you don't pressure the quarterback, I think, you know, you could throw anyone in the stands in there and they could, you know, at least complete a couple passes and look halfway decent. So the Ravens, the, the Bengals knew they were going to come after them. Bengals came out with a very quick passing attack to just get the ball out as quickly as possible. Didn't work well for them. The Ravens dominated 525 yards of total offense to just 195 for Cincinnati. 
Ravens won the time of possession 40 minutes to 19, uh, 24 first downs to just 10 for Cincinnati. I mean, I, again, we, we know that this is a last-place Bengals team, but it's a really encouraging performance going into the playoffs for a unit that's uh, you know, still not 100% healthy. They got a bit lucky with that whole T. Higgins play that got called back. I understand that the penalty was somewhat impacting the play, but I do think they would have gotten a first down there regardless. But they didn't get a first down, I think, until fourth possession. They finally got a first down. They were able to, That's when they were able to score. But their first three possessions were all three and outs, right? Like, <laughs> like come on. <laughs> I think up to that point, the pos- time possession was like 19 to like two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, certainly not a, uh, you know, if you're a if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, one, why are you listening to this podcast? Two, um, you know, it's uh, it's it's kind of sad. You know, um, Cincinnati's always kind of had great offensive players, but between all the injuries with Burrow and Mixon and you know everybody else, it's just it's it's been really hard to look at. Um, kind of reminds me of some of the worst Ravens offenses that we've had, where three and outs on a Joe Flacco offense in the mid 2010s. That was just another year, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I mean the, uh, the de- I mean defense did a great job, I think, of, of mixing it up, getting some pressure in there, and and just playing really well in the back end. I think the return of Marcus Peters definitely was uh, something to have, have been noticed. Hopefully, you know he'll be good to go for uh, for the next week, and we're still hoping, fingers crossed, that Jimmy Smith might finally make it back onto the field. Uh, Harb seemed to think like he has a chance. Uh, we'll, we'll see what that means later in the week, but hopefully we're just getting healthy at the right time because we're going to need them to match up against some of those receivers that the Titans have next week. Yeah, it'd be good to get the newly extended Jimmy Smith back on the field. I guess we can talk about that briefly, that the Ravens, uh, prior to the game against the Bengals, offered Jimmy a one-year extension. So coaching staff still likes what they see from this guy, the role on this he has on this team, and... Yeah, I agree. He's a very important cog in this secondary that the Ravens need to get back on the field. I just want to say thank you to Jimmy Smith. I mean, that's a very favorable deal that he signed. It's almost, I think it's like 2.5 guaranteed, and the other 2.5 is all what they consider um, not probable events. So if he has a great year, right, if he stays healthy, et cetera, and, and plays really well for us, great. We have a little bit of a cap hit the year after, but it means that he also like earned it, quote unquote, right? So definitely very happy to see Jimmy back in a Ravens uniform next year. We'll go, we're going to need him. I mean, even if he's the fourth, fifth corner at that point, um, that's a positive for this Ravens team. Yeah, I mean, if he doesn't have to play 10 plus games, <laughs> maybe he'll play for all the games that he is in. <laughs> Right. I mean, I told you guys when he signed it, it was, you know, even if you took the full number, 5 million, I said that was 500K for 10, for 10 games. Right. Sadly, it's just kind of is what it is. But I think Jimmy understands it and, and the Ravens understand it. But they're like, look, you know, you're still valuable when you're here. So, you know, it's, it's worth a little bit of money. Um, and if Jimmy's okay with that and the front office is okay with that, seems like a good deal to me. But I think that's a that's another conversation maybe for the off season. Right now, we're just hoping that he can continue to play in in the yeah. 2020 playoffs. Because gosh, man, it's it's been a while since we've seen him on the field, and, and we could really use him, especially with going up against uh, some of the bigger guys of AJ Brown and, and yeah. Corey Davis. 
we could use all the uh, physical corners that we can get. I will say that I do think the Ravens would be benefited, so to speak. They'd be greatly benefited if they become the place that players who just want to win sign a favorable deal, right? Because I feel like that's what Jimmy's doing. Just happens to be a, a Ravens guy. But I think other teams or other players have taken lesser deals to come to the Ravens. And I would love them to just get like a bunch of guys who are just like on the twilight of their career who just want to win, which is probably what Des is that basically is at this point, right? Uh, but maybe like a little bit higher producing than Des is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, Calais, Derek yeah, Calais, Wolf, right? Like, yeah. You know, I feel, Peter, yeah, I feel like- oh, Peters maybe. Peters, yeah. You know, Peters probably could have gotten more. I mean, you know, maybe some teams were scared off by, uh, you know, some of his on the field antics, maybe. But like that was a pretty favorable deal at the time, especially compared to like Marlon Humphrey and Tre'Davious White's contract. Like I could see Peters getting something around that. Yeah, that photo from last year with uh, his tongue hanging out and the line <laughs> judge with that smug grin from the the Rams game is still gold. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think the the defense at least has been that way for a while you know I mean the offense somewhat I mean Steve Smith still said when he came here he said he picked the Ravens over the Patriots because he, he thought he had a better chance of a ring coming here unfortunately for Steve he was wrong they would have won a ring with the Patriots <laughs> but you know <laughs> we're still happy he was here but yeah you know it's uh, Baltimore has a history of winning you know we've only got two Super Bowls over the past two decades but hopefully with Lamar we can start stacking them all right, we're starting to get back in the postseason chatter. Let's, we're so uh, excited. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, well, let's, let's, let's talk about some good players on defense. So a, a couple guys to mention, right? Obviously, Peters had that nice interception in the end zone, which was a, a perfect way to cap that drive, too. We were looking for it. I think the we thought the Bengals had, had kind of gotten some, some lucky plays. They kind of had a number a little bit on that drive, but then Peters capped it off right after that pass interference penalty on him. Next play comes back with a pick beautiful beautiful pick it was only a shame if he could have just if he had it like a step earlier he could have maybe just like put his foot in the ground run it all the way back for a td but uh we got a touchback out of it and zero points for cincinnati so that was good chuck clark as well showed up with that pick at the end that we had the challenge to overturn that that was also a really great play and uh yeah overall i mean i have a couple other guys that i can mention but i don't want to name them all now so you guys can uh, you guys can take over. Yeah, I think Chuck Clark had one of his best games in a while yesterday. He was all over the field making plays, breaking passes up with that interception, like he said. Yeah, he had a great game. Yeah, I think the only other player I would mention was Averett. I think he had a really good game as well. Averitt, that was the guy I was trying to think of. Yeah, you go. It's in the notes, man. Just read it. <laughs> I only got one monitor down here. I'm, I'm balancing windows. <laughs> nah, I'm just messing with you. Uh, yeah, so Averett had a good game. He almost had a pick six. And it just was overall having good pass defenses. And that's what I was kind of talking about, right? Like, I think Jimmy went healthy. is probably better than Averett may ever be, right? But if Averett can lighten the load and keep Jimmy around, you know, and not have, you know, because every play is basically a roll of the dice. So he's going to get injured. Every player is the same way. It's just, he seems to have a higher propensity for getting injured. So if he has a guy like him laying the load, Tavon Young, who I think everyone keeps forgetting exists on this team because he keeps getting injured for season long injuries. Like he'll be back as a third corner. I mean, there's going to be um, guys to lay in the load and, and help provide, some really valuable depth if uh, the Ravens are able to keep him around and, you know, not get injured. And even if they do, like, that's what the depth's for. 
um, which is ironic. I, I bet you I'm going to put it down now. Ravens draft in the third or fourth round. Well, not the third because I don't have a pick currently. But in those middle rounds, they're going to try to find a slot corner. Guaranteed. <laughs> you heard it here. I mean, I think they should. <laughs> yeah. They should. That or a safety. They need somebody. I mean, maybe a safety might be a topic. I don't know. But Yeah, that'd be nice. I it, It's so interesting to, to do that when you've had good success with Chuck Clark and Elliot. But we've just seen time and time again, when you make those investments, suddenly they become important. For example, like J.K. Dobbins, right? A total shot in the arm. We kind of talked about it when he got drafted. Like clearly, this guy must be like really, really good for them to do this kind of pick. And he's been a total shot in the arm the second half of the year for the Ravens and their offensive running game. They've unleashed the man, and and I have to say, if you listen to his post game presser, I think he's the number one guy I recommend for this week's uh, like listing. He is a genuinely happy to be here guy. I love the way he talks about the game and the way he studies, and I, I just think he's a good kid. So really glad that he's on the team. I mean, I think as this season has gone along, it's just more shocking I, that that he was available to the Ravens at that pick. I think, I mean, gosh, I know it's different offensive systems, but he certainly looked better than uh, Edwards Elair has in Kansas City. Oh my gosh, um, <laughs> gosh! I mean, I think the only rookie running back from this class that you could maybe say has looked better is Jonathan Taylor, and he's been maddeningly inconsistent. So. You know, I think that's a healthy debate, but yeah, I think that was, that was just, the Ravens knew that when that guy fell to them, that was just a throw out the plans of whatever you were trying to do, because even though he didn't seem like he was in need, like you can't pass on that talent. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of bonkers. It's, it, it, that's the best one, Peter. It's not the JT call because JT could be really good. And, and we've seen like the second half of the season, similar to when, Dobbins turned it on like Jonathan Taylor has been pretty much a freak. I mean, he got to 250 yards <laughs> yesterday. So, yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he had a huge game too, but yeah, Edward Zelair, he doesn't seem like he has any juice like at all. Like, he doesn't seem special whatsoever. He just seems like a guy they could have gotten in the fourth round almost. It's kind of wild. It's crazy going back to that week three game against the chiefs because he did so well during that game. But, uh, you know, maybe that was just, uh, some early growing pains for uh, Patrick Queen because that's who he had most of his success against. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of Queen, though, I mean, again, I, I thought he had another uh, good performance. I mean, unfortunately, I didn't get my bull prediction. He didn't have a uh, game-changing turnover. Uh, he almost did. Peters. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, one play, I think he was really close on converting. I was like, ah, Chris. Yeah, I know. No, that's okay. But I thought he had, he had a pretty good game. Uh, he's done on a couple of tackles, and again, I, I think he's 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 starting to see some of the game better. I think he's starting to see um, some of the plays, uh, getting some more of that play recognition. He hasn't been as out of position as he was earlier in the season. I think he's you know playing in the right zones, picking the right blocks, um, it, just stacking good plays on good plays. Um, and you know while there was nothing kind of you know, stand out of, uh, of his performance this week. It's, you know, you didn't see those negatives and, and that's always a good thing. Hopefully his PFF rating is, uh, is adjusted. I think we want to go into our MVPs. I think so. All right. I don't want to start. I have so many guys I can name. I'll, I'll let you guys deselect for me. All right. Well, if no one else is going to jump in, I guess I'll take the most obvious one, which was uh, two weeks in a row for me saying JK Dobbins just built on his uh, game from last week and had an even more incredible one and 
man, just so much fun to see this guy do his thing. I'm going to go with somebody actually we don't have on the list, but uh, I think it was a late addition. I'm going to go with Bradley Bozeman. Gosh, man. Uh, I, I, he He's just been one of the more consistent players on the Ravens' offensive line. I think he's just been doing great, have a lot of great pulls this game. Um, just a tremendous run blocker. I really wanted to put him on here because I wanted to give him a shout out for because he was mic'd up this week, and I don't know if, whether you guys have seen it yet, but oh my goodness, he's such a fun dude. I've seen a couple of clips from him uh, from the game mic'd up, and gosh, he's just uh, he's just so happy and, and fun to be running around and all that stuff. And uh, seeing him, uh, his reaction to that J.K. Dobbins play on the seventy-two yard touchdown was just priceless. <laughs> it was one of the best things I've seen this year. Nice. I can't wait to see that compilation. But Chris, you kind of stole my uh, my guy. I also was gonna say, Damn it. I mean, it's fine. It's it's fun. Uh, you're like, I'm gonna go with guy on the list. I'm like, oh man, I was too. And then you're like, probably those ones. That's okay. You know, I think it was worth pointing him out. I think we talked about Orlando Brown Jr. last week and just the way they've been able to step up and produce, um, given the adversity with the line and just the team in general. So I wanted to give him a shout out, but that's okay. I think I'm going to give one to Peters. He found his way back to the field. He was healthy, and he seemed to be playing with more tenacity than he had for weeks. So maybe uh, he just got hungry while rehabbing. I don't know. But I like the way he was playing last week, and we're going to need all of that and more next week against Tennessee. So with that, let's do it. Let's talk about Tennessee. We're going to bring on Titans fan Tim on the call. We're actually finishing on time for (laughs) Inside Baseball. (laughs) Our guest doesn't have to wait for us. But I guess it just shows our excitement to talk about this game. The Ravens are in the playoffs, baby. We get a rematch against a team that took away our dreams last year. And I think we all want this win very badly. Let's talk about how the Ravens can do it. Check out the next episode.